Thankfulness to God for all that he's done for us and all that he has supplied us with. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King, his love endures forever. For he is good, he is above all things, his love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise. With the mighty His love endures forever. For the life that's been reborn, His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise, sing. Fears to fly. Who's ever 
reading our call to worship verse. Can we read it together? I'll read it together. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. Let the many islands be glad. Be glad in the Lord, your righteous ones, and give thanks to his holy name. Let's bow for a minute of prayer. Dear Lord, we are celebrating what you do for us today, and we, we need to do that every day, but today we are doing that as a church family, and I just pray that as we do that together, it will be just be mindful of all the things you do do for us, even though we sometimes take them for granted, materially and spiritually, you bless us in so many ways. As we do that this morning, we will really be mindful of that through song and through your word that you've given to Pastor Glenn. We pray these things in your name. I have a little blurb I'm going to put in here. Maybe I'll wait till the announcements. I went to the conference last weekend uh, at Medicine Hat. I was really blessed by that. And if I can, I'd like to say a little bit in uh, either sharing time or when I do the announcements. So, uh, yeah. Scripture reading. Scripture reading will be read from uh, Psalm 136, and we will be reading the entire psalm. And uh, so, Psalm 136, and I will be reading from the NASB. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of gods. For his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who alone does great wonders, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who made the heavens with skill, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who made the great lights, for his loving kindness is everlasting. The sun to rule by day, for his loving kindness is everlasting. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who smote the Egyptians in their firstborn, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And brought out Israel from their midst, for his loving kindness is everlasting. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his loving kindness is everlasting. But he overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who smote great kings, for his loving kindness 
is everlasting. And he slew mighty kings, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And Og, king of Bashan, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And gave their land as a heritage, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Even a heritage to Israel his servant, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Who remembered us in our low estate, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And has rescued us from our adversaries, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Who gives food to all flesh, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Pastor Glenn. Thanks, Brad. Very interesting uh, song, and you read it very well. I <laughs> appreciate that. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, as we prepare to look into this psalm now and uh, focus on what it says about giving thanks, help us, Lord, just to understand clearly what it is you're saying to us. Uh, as, Lord, I, I preach it, it may it be you preaching it, that's my prayer, that we could all hear from you this morning and know that you have touched us, you have spoken to us, and that we could be encouraged and fed and challenged because of that. We ask this in your name. Amen. That first song, I was going to ask if they suggest Bonnie. That would be a good song to sing for this chapter. <laughs> but you knew that, so <laughs> you chose it. So thank you. A Christian farmer was spending a day in the large city. He went to a restaurant around noon and for lunch. And he found a table near a group of young men. And uh, so when his meal arrived, he quietly bowed his head and gave thanks for the food to God. And this group of young men saw this, and they thought they would have some fun ridiculing and embarrassing this old farmer. And uh, so one of them called out in a loud voice, Hey, farmer, does everyone do that where you live? And the old man looked over and calmly said, No, son, the pigs don't. <laughs> being grateful, being thankful, always no matter what. That's a good thing. That old farmer, in a small way, kind of illustrated that. When I was looking for some humor uh, for this morning, I googled jokes about Thanksgiving. That's what I googled. <laughs> jokes about Thanksgiving. And all the jokes that showed up were about turkeys. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> in fact, one site didn't even call it Thanksgiving Day. They called it Turkey Day. I'm not kidding, that's exactly what, what it was Turkey Day. And I shook my head and I realized that some people really have no idea what Thanksgiving was originally intended for. 
So instead of a day when we stop and express thanks for our blessings, it is now all about eating turkey. That's what it is. And I know we're going to eat turkey here in a few minutes, but let's for the next few minutes forget about turkey and just think about our blessings and be thankful for our blessings. I'm going to be looking at Psalm 36, the passage I was just read. Uh, I don't think I've ever preached from this psalm before. Uh, but it's a great psalm about being thankful to God. And it's a very interesting psalm, as you notice, when it was being read. There's lots of repetition here in this psalm. Uh, and it's tempting when you read this psalm to kind of skip over that line that is there at the end of every verse. Same line, word for word, repeated at the end of every verse, repeated 26 times. And you could do that. And this psalm would still make perfect sense if you just skipped that line. In fact, let's just quickly do that. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him alone does great wonders. To him who made the earth, sorry, the heavens with skill. To him who spread out the earth above the waters. To him who made the great lights. The sun to rule by day, the moon and the stars to rule by night. To him who smote the Egyptians and their firstborn. And brought Israel out from their midst with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder and made Israel pass through the midst of it, but overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. To him who smote great kings and slew mighty kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites. Og, king of Bashan. And gave their land as a heritage, even a heritage to Israel, his servant, who remembered us in our low estate and has rescued us from our adversaries, who gives food to all flesh. Give thanks to the God of heaven. So it makes perfect sense to just skip that line and read that whole psalm without even reading that line. But that line is in there <laughs> to close off every verse. Why would the psalmist do that? Why would the Holy Spirit inspire the psalmist to do that? Well, the easy answer, of course, is that this is a poem. It, it's a poem and it's set to music. Uh, it was a worship hymn written for the people of God to sing together when they gathered for worship. Or maybe by the leaders uh, who led the worship uh, and the music in the temple, they had leaders who did that, uh, maybe for them to sing when the congregation gathered uh, at the temple for worship. And it seems obvious that this was an antiphonal song. I'm using big words here. Anybody know what antiphonal means besides money? <laughs> Anybody knows what antiphonal? Kathy knows, obviously. Yeah, sorry, Kathy. <laughs> so antiphonal is, is, uh, is you'd have one group of singers that would sing the first line of the, every one of these verses, and then the other group of singers would sing that line that's repeated every time. So it was kind of like a back and forth kind of thing. They'd sing the first line, and then this other group would sing the next line, that line that's repeated all the time, kind of back and forth. And with, maybe with harmonies or, or whatever. So it's just a musical device and a literary device. So that's the easy answer as to why it's written as it is. Because it's a literary and a musical device. But when you dig deeper and study in more detail, there's something really profound that comes out of the way that it is put together. And that line that's repeated so often... 
There is a depth of meaning in that line that we would do well to wrap our minds around. And that's why we should not skip over it. It all has to do with the command, which we are given many, many times throughout the scriptures, that command to be thankful. To be thankful to God and to express thankfulness to God. It's not a suggestion. It's not something that's highly recommended. It's a command. And this psalm gives us some reasons as to why we should be thankful to God. So let's look at it. We as Christians need to be characterized by a spirit of thankfulness to God. And we should be characterized by a spirit of thankfulness to God because of the reasons given here in Psalm 136. Now there, there's two reasons that come out of this psalm that we're going to look at. And both of those reasons are interspersed throughout that whole psalm. So the first reason I want to look at, because of what God has done. That's the first reason. Because of what God has done. God has done some incredible things. And they are listed in these verses. And, and it's not an exhaustive list by any means, but it does say quite a bit in the psalm about the things that God has done. So let's start there, verse 4. God alone does great wonders. There is no other God that can do great wonders. And then the psalmist goes on to elaborate on some of those great wonders. And the first thing he brings to our mind is the creation of planet Earth and the heavens, verses 5 through 9. He made the heavens with great skill, it says in my translation. Uh, that speaks not only of creating the heavens, but the fact that God did it skillfully, paying special attention to detail. Great wonder. He spread out the earth above the waters. And that's, of course, it's described to us back in Genesis chapter 1. And he made the great lights, the sun and the moon, one for the day, one for the night. And we know from the rest of the Bible and also from science that the earth is especially designed to support life. To support human life, your life, my life. Look down to the end of the psalm, verse 25. He gives food to all flesh, it says there. Gives food to all flesh. Now stop and think about that. Planet Earth is designed to support and sustain all the life that is on planet Earth. Everything needed for all of the life that is on earth, food, air, water, shelter, heat, it's all provided by the planet that we live on. And it has been for thousands of years. This planet has been providing for us for thousands of years. Planet earth just keeps on providing for us year after year after year. God especially designed and created the earth to do that. God created the heavens and the earth for us humans, for you and I. That is what God has done. That's one of the mighty things God has done. In verses 10 through 24, the psalmist goes over some of their history as a nation. The history of the Israelites as a nation. And focuses in on what God has done for them. 
They were God's chosen people whom God chose to be the people especially set apart for him with the intention of that this people would through these people he would reveal himself and his word and ultimately this people would he would use to bring Messiah into the world. Messiah who would be God himself coming into this world as a human and to do what needed to be done to be able to offer salvation to all people of all nations. That was God's intent in choosing this people, the people of Israel way back then. So at the time of the writing of this psalm, Israel perhaps was in its heyday uh, as a nation. Strong and secure as a nation. Perhaps written during or shortly after the time of David or Solomon. Uh, we're not told who wrote this psalm. Uh, some feel it was perhaps written by King Hezekiah. Uh, and the psalmist takes the time to recount how it was that Israel became a nation. And it was all because of what God has done. So verses 10 through 15. It was God who freed them from slavery in Egypt. When they were not yet a nation. It was God who brought them out of Egypt and freed them from slavery. It was God who brought the plagues on Egypt, culminating in the death of the firstborn of Egypt, to get Pharaoh to let them go. And then when Pharaoh changed his mind and gave chase, God parted the Red Sea and allowed the Israelites to escape. And then he drowned the Egyptians when they tried to follow. That was all the work of God. It was God who led his people in the wilderness and protected them during that time in the wilderness. He smote those kings that tried to stop the Israelites during that time. Sihon of the Amorites and Og of, the, of Bashan, or Bashan. And he gave their land to the Israelites as their inheritance. That was all God's doing. Look down to verse 23. God remembered his chosen people when they were at their lowest and rescued them from their adversaries. All those things God had done for them as a nation. And so they came to be a strong and secure nation. So what God has done is one of the reasons the psalmist gives as to why we should be thankful to God. So in applying this to us, I think it's good to go through our history. And remind ourselves of what God has done for us. Think back over your own life, and I just want to encourage you to do that. Think back over your life. Some of you have a lot of more years to think back over than some of the rest of us do. <laughs> I'm still 25, at least in my mind. Um, <laughs> but think over your life. Or maybe some of your family history. What has God done? What has God done for you? How has God worked to bring you to where you are right now? Significant doors that God has opened. Jobs that God has given and provided. People that God has brought into your lives. Difficulties that you have faced and God has brought you through. And you're better off for it now because of that. Take some time to think about that and remember those things. In fact, I'm going to force you to do that. <laughs> Not really, but 
let's just take a few moments. Close your eyes if it helps you. Just think about your history. What has God done? Share some of the things that God brought to your mind as you thought about this. As the old hymn writer says, when we take the time to count our blessings, it will surprise us what the Lord has done. So we need to be thankful to God because of what he has done for us over the years. Things that go way above and beyond anything we deserve. And when we think about that and realize that, then giving thanks to God is the only appropriate response. We can give. We can have is to give thanks to God. That's the first reason to give thanks to God, because of what he's done. Secondly, because of who he is. Because of who he is. Now we may ask, why would God do all of that for us who don't deserve it? Because really we don't. We don't deserve any of it. And that answer for that question lies in who God is. He does that for us because that's who he is. Verse 1, he is good. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. He's good. Verse 2, he's the God of gods. He's the one and only supreme God. There are other gods that people have made up in their minds and worshipped over the years, but they're nothing. God is God. Repeat it again in verse 3. Lord of lords. Same thing. So first we need to understand that God is the one and only God of the universe. He's the only God there is. And he is almighty. He is all powerful. He is ruler of all. He's the only one who can give life. He's the only one who has the right to take life. He alone is God with all that means. And we need to understand that. And then we need to understand that included in who God is, is his loving kindness. His loving kindness is everlasting. That's an integral part of who God is. And this is the line that's repeated in every verse in this song. 26 times it's repeated. You think the psalmist wanted us to get this? Let's unpack that phrase. The Hebrew word used here is the word, and I don't even know how to pronounce it, it's chesed. C-H-E-S-E-D. And if you pronounce it right, that C-H is a sound. So I'm not going to do it anymore, that's it. It's chesed, that's how I'm going to pronounce it from now on. But it has that kind of coffee, phlegmy kind of sound, I guess. That's the Hebrew word. His chesed is everlasting, or endures forever, or never ends. Truth be told, we do not know how to translate that word into English. 
that ancient Hebrew word. There is no single English word that captures all that that ancient word means. There's hardly a phrase in English that captures all that that word means. So for that reason, the different translations that you all have here translate that line, <laughs> that one line that's repeated 26 times, they all translate it different. Uh, you likely noticed that already. Uh, my translation in New American Standard says his loving kindness is everlasting. The King James Bible says his mercy endureth forever. New International Version, which a lot of you have, says his love endures forever. New Living Translation says his faithful love endures forever. Revised Standard Version says his steadfast love endures forever. And we can go on and on. And they're all right. <laughs> they're all right. Kesed is an unconditional love and mercy and kindness that is expressed to someone and the basis of that love and kindness and mercy is a covenant that has been made and because of that covenant it, this Kesed is faithful because it's based on a covenant. So it's faithful, it's faithful to that covenant relationship and it's steadfast in continuing to show that love because that covenant is there. All of that, that's Kesed. And that's one of the characteristics of God. Kesed is deeply ingrained and embedded in the character of God. And it's in a very real way who God is. So God made a covenant with his people, the Israelites. And because of that, and based on that, God treated them with that unfailing steadfast love and mercy and kindness and that never ends it's a forever thing it never fails it endures forever it is everlasting and even though the Israelites broke that covenant time and time and time again God continued to love them with that everlasting love when they in no way came close to deserving it God continued to give that unfailing mercy and kindness and love. It never ends. And so the psalmist says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His kesed endures forever. And the same thing holds true for us, friends. If you are a Christian, you have entered into a covenant relationship with God. That covenant where God says, if you will believe in Jesus, that he is God come as a human and died for you to pay the penalty of your sin, and that he rose from the dead to gain victory over death, and then if you place your faith in him and accept him as your savior, I will forgive you, I will cleanse you, I will make you righteous, I will guarantee you a home with me in heaven for all eternity, I will indwell you with the Holy Spirit to guide and empower you to be the kind of person I want you to be and to do what I've called you to do. That's God's covenant with you as a Christian. And then based on that covenant, God's kesed is extended to you. He will treat you with unconditional love and mercy and kindness that will never end. 
even if you don't deserve it. And you don't. <laughs> Neither do I. None of us do. But even if we don't deserve it, he will keep on treating us with love, faithful to his covenant with you, steadfastly for all eternity. And if that isn't a reason enough to give thanks to God every day of your life, for all eternity, then I don't know what is. That's why the psalmist repeated this line 26 times. He wanted us to get it. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His kesed is everlasting. So friends, if you have nothing else, even if you have nothing else, if you are the recipient of God's kesed, that is reason enough to give thanks to God. Always, every day. Where would we be if God gave us exactly what we deserve? Where would we be then? We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. We'd all be burning in hell right now if God gave us what we deserve. But he, we, we aren't. Instead, we get God's chesed. We need to remember this. Even when it feels like our world is falling apart around us. If we are the recipient of this loving kindness from God, we have all the reason we need to be thankful to God. I know some of you this morning are going through some pretty significant trials. And maybe you're sitting here this morning, you're wondering, what is God up to? Why is he allowing this? And you're thinking, how can I be thankful when my life is falling apart? And, and maybe it's hard for you at this point to see God's loving kindness. You're not feeling it right now. But it's there. It is there. There will come a point when you will look back and will realize that it was God's kessed that carried you through the trials that you are facing right now. There will come a time and you'll look back and you'll see that. So the first point of the sermon was and we focused on what God has done for us in the past, up until this point of our lives. Here in the second point, we see that God did those things because his loving kindness endures forever. And we can then go on in faith knowing with the certainty that he will continue to show that love and mercy and kindness because his loving kindness endures forever. It's steadfast and sure and will continue for all eternity. That's who God is. And so we need to give thanks to God. <laughs> oh, do we ever need to give thanks to God. So even if you're in the midst of those trials where nothing seems to make sense, know, friend, the truth of this psalm and just give thanks to God for the reasons we just discussed. 
And just in doing that, just in giving of the thanks, it will be a step for you in helping us see things a little more clearly. We need to give thanks to God because of who he is. His keset is everlasting. It endures forever. So therefore we see from this passage the reasons we should be characterized by a spirit of thankfulness to God. They are number one because of what he has done and then number two because of who he is. And because of these truths we can see that we are never in a position where we should not give thanks to God. We're never in that position. So let's take our time of silence. Let these truths sink into your hearts and minds. Let God speak to you. Be open to what God is saying to you. I'll give you a few moments.
Thank you for your singing. 